0: Today's episode of the Titan Up Talk is brought to you by our friends at Parkway Poorhouse. If you are in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area and need a great spot to grab some delicious food with the family or want to hit the patio and eat some appetizers and enjoy a cold adult beverage, well, Parkway Poorhouse is the perfect spot for either occasion. Please check out parkwaypoorhouse.com to plan your visit today. And folks, we're back. The Titans are now 3-0. We're excited. I've got Chase Green here to discuss everything in full. But before we do that, we have some breaking information. At the time of our recording, reacting to the news that that the Tennessee Titans have eight confirmed cases of COVID-19 amongst players and team personnel. We'll give our thoughts, reactions, what the team should do. We'll also react to the Titans win 31 to 30 over the Minnesota Vikings. Also did some film breakdown and give my thoughts on some player grades and some feedback on Jadavion Clowney, Kevin Byers and many more also give our thoughts and rankings for the AFC South, checking around the NFL as well as give a preview for this upcoming week's match assuming it takes place for the St- the Pittsburgh Steelers. But folks, thank you so much for checking us out. I've got my guy Chase Green here. Chase, how you doing, buddy?
1: Man, I'm wonderful. Just uh weird day for Titans fans, I guess, right?
0: Yes. Uh, I mean, what are you thinking right now? I think we'll just jump directly into the COVID report since it's basically coming out like a uh, a hose. But the information right now on Twitter from what I'm seeing, you have to kind of trudge through some non-verifications to get to the good stuff. But what do you think, man?
1: Um, I know we're just kind of talking about it, but I I just don't see how they play the game. Um, I know they're always worried about player safety. I don't know how they're going to look at it. It depends on what you're – kind of your tail is, is for Mm -hmm. you go with uh, well, they're going to be well rested, no practice, no contact, but also it's like, well, they've not been working out. They're not adjusted. What's the style of play if you're not able to really, you know, break down film together. I know they did a good job over the off season, but ah, makes me kind of worried. Like uh, we might have a canceled game or they might roll it till, weirdly monday and do a double header i I don't know how that's gonna work
0: yeah i right now i've got a pull up on twitter just kind of getting everybody's knee-jerk reactions there's actually some really good stuff out there in in light of all the you know off reports or opinions but uh words pods has a you know kind of a good breakdown from the nfl pa and nfl agreement uh about the the potentials of returning to the facility so we can discuss that in just a little bit but it, it's something to me just to respond what you were just saying. The poll that I have up is you have the choice of either sitting a week and reschedule the game to a different week, not necessarily doing it like a Monday or Tuesday, or no mm-hmm. practice and, and play against the Steelers. Like, and on top of that option, there you're obviously dealing with whomever is out, whichever three players and then five coaches are out right now. Who's stepping in for those players and who who fills? You know, because obviously the conversation we had. Uh, about the Vikings game. And we'll give a, a full breakdown here and reaction to that in, in, in a little bit, but obviously Shane Boeing missing. Uh, there was quite the adjustment for the play calling since Vrabel and, and special teams coach uh, or coordinator, excuse me, uh, Ackerman kind of took over, but Chase, it, it, you're saying now, if, if you had the choice, are you saying you think it will be canceled or that they, they should cancel it?
1: Uh, Personally, that's a tough one. It's only how many guys do we have total players? We had
0: three three players and then five five staff coaches. Yeah. Okay. I, I, thought,
1: I thought it was a little. I thought it flip flopped. I just want to make sure on that. Honestly, I would play the game. Um, that's what I would want to happen, mm-hmm. but I just don't know if I don't know how the NFL wants to handle it as far as it because it, it kind of creates a certain look. Are you cool with – do you want to be the league that's like next man up and, hey, we're going to trudge through this, which mm-hmm. I think's the best approach? Or do you just want to cancel games and adjust and maybe do something weird, maybe a Tuesday night game? I don't know how they want to do that for money. So Yeah,
0: well, just some scenarios that have been put out right now, like Paul Kaharski has, the best rescheduled scenario is to move the Steelers at the Ravens from week seven to week eight. Uh, when they now have buys the both of those teams, yeah, and then plug the Steelers Titans into Week Seven when this when the Titans have a buy October twenty fifth, which is the um I believe Week Six maybe, um, yeah, I, I think so. I uh, will have to double check that in just a second, but that's something that I'm I'm for more of sit this week out. You know, obviously reschedule <clears throat> and and even to Paul's scenario there. The positive, the silver lining in that is you are going to get guys like AJ Green, Lawan now, Adore Jackson, more time to sit, get healthy. Even uh, you know the, the guys that just came back, Vic Beasley, Darrington Evans, kind of one more week that they can really you know sit into you know improving themselves and not have to go back out there and take more hits.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. That would be nice to get AJ Brown back for, or a little bit more healthy, a little bit of breathing room it's it's obvious like we it would be really nice to have him back, so mm-hmm. it's not it's shown that we don't desperately need him right now, but it is uh it's something that would be really nice to have and get everybody healthy one more week for a like you just said so be nice it would be nice yeah. i just uh I just don't know how they're gonna handle
0: it Because um, you gotta uh, think i mean this is almost a nFL issue more than it's just a titans you know yeah, yeah decision' yeah. Cause that's, the, that's where this, and not to cut you off, I just wanted no, no. to interject this, but, um, you know, Shane Bowen getting a Saturday morning test results, and basically he's positive. I How mean? many contacts does he have there? Because now they're reporting, I believe, uh, as of right now, it was roughly 48 eight eight contacts for the three players uh, and five wow. coaches. So that's, I mean, if we're talking about just the Titans team, that's off the, obviously made a of 53 players, you have practice squad and then staff and whomever else would, would, you know, uh, who knows if Mike Keith and Amy Wells and some of the production, Nate Bain, like obviously they're traveling most likely together. Um, But how many people are we really talking about here? And then obviously not to think of the next layer of contact uh, that those people have had, but it just, that's the scariest situation in in my opinion.
1: Yeah, especially because how many people, we assume so far that a lot of these people are asymptomatic too. So you just don't know how long you've really had. I mean, I'm guessing I know they get tested every day, but it sounds like they got their results back on Saturday and now this one. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of contact and a lot of time too. You know, you're just, it's spreading like wildfire. If you, if you aren't careful and don't know, and you don't know the timing of this exactly. So that's the scary part. Is like you said, how many people actually have this or, could have it or are going to get it um and cause that's a lot of a lot of folks and they yeah i'm with you i guess they all have to travel together keith wells all of them so yeah a lot of a lot of potential for a, a weird spread to happen pretty quick yeah and we'll find out more because i know these guys get tested daily even when they're away um right. so they're gonna have to either go back to the facility i don't know how they're going to do that now i guess people might come to their homes
0: but uh, yeah i don't, I don't know I, I did want to i pulled this up here i've got twitter open as we're recording this just for the sake of seeing everything coming down um but again f pods shares a tweet from a guy on, on i believe it's Cora. uh it's basically just like a huge crowdsourcing uh of information but this guy's name is gary from new york and he's been a giants fan since 1984 talking about Uh, postponements or rescheduling and bear with me Jays I'm going to read this thing here Uh, guys basically saying quote it's more uh, common than you'd think there's several postponements or rescheduling episodes in Miami 1992, 04, 05 and 2017, Houston and 08 due to the approaching hurricanes while 05 Hurricane Katrina forced the Saints to move uh, five home games out of their state altogether and play the other three in Baton Rouge due to the damage caused to the Superdome in New Orleans. The Vikings also had a December 2010 game against the Giants moved back a day because of the heavy snow in the Twin Cities, causing airport closures, and then damage to the Metrodome roof. You remember that that video? uh, Yeah, yeah, the snow falling in. Yeah, that was incredible. Uh, I say that in a negative sense, but uh, the game ended up being played in Detroit. While similar uh, blizzard conditions saw the late December Sunday night game uh, between the Vikings and the Eagles postponed for 48 hours becoming the first Tuesday contest in 60 plus years and in 2014 and I'll I'll, I'll end it here uh, there's a little bit more at the end but in 2014 the Bills had to move their scheduled uh to uh excuse me November 23rd game against the Jets to Detroit on the following day because of heavy snow so in the midst of the covid pandemic obviously <laughs> the Titans aren't dealing with any crazy hurricanes snowstorms but um Obviously, we found ourselves in a predicament where we've got, you know, eight cases within the team. And am I standing, like like we were saying, Chase, if we take a week and there's ways to move it around, I would almost think that, that Paul Karski's scenario is really the only realistic uh, outcome because of a, you know, the idea of a Tuesday game. How, how really far out of the weeds are you with that? You know what I'm saying? like,
1: Yeah, I get that.
0: that that's the thing, too, there. So, not to be so long-winded, but just wanted to read that and then also – just that, that thought there of it's going to probably have to be, again, Paul's situation where the Steelers' Ravens move to week eight and the Titans move their their matchup uh, with the Steelers during their bye week. So, yeah, this that, is a crazy situation today, man. It's like, so
1: weird because, like, especially it's Tuesday already,
0: you know? So, it's like mm-hmm.
1: you've got time to figure stuff out, which is nice. But you also have time to – Make it work if it's a Tuesday, or, or I don't know doubleheader. Mo- I don't think they could do they do a doubleheader Monday, but potentially I don't know.
0: As long as we don't have the late the late West Coast game or something. Gosh, like, man, that.
1: I don't want that again. I, I struggled, I struggled big oh, time. <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I I really hope it's. I'm kind of with you now. I think I would I would prefer to do the rescheduled, move those games back. You know that that can be easily adjusted. I guess, especially with mm-hmm. not having ticket sales and all that stuff. Right. So it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, so that's probably what I would go towards. Uh yeah.
0: I think I'll be fine. Sweet. Well let's uh let's move into some reactions for the now three and Tennessee Titans, which is probably the biggest like, you know, feather in the cap since I I mean I really I think it was probably we might have been kids when the last time that they actually went three and zero. I have not looked that up, so forgive me for those that are listening. Um, but it's something that great, you know, great offensive effort. Um, you know, it kind of got cute there with some Arthur Smith play calling, and I know Derrick Henry. You know, I didn't actually see it, but I've heard of where yeah, I think he was yelling at Arthur Smith about, you know, why would you? Or why are you going to pass in a running situation? Yeah. where I could, I could, you know, make something happen. But Chase, let's let's just give our reactions here. What did you think? What's the kind of the knee jerk reaction for you uh, with the Titans versus Minnesota's uh, Vikings on Sunday?
1: Who uh, defense not great, but again comes up big in the big moments in the fourth quarter. They played pretty rough. They made Kirk Cousins look really good, uh, even though Kirk Cousins didn't play that wonderful. I mean, he had some obviously had some good plays, and their wide receivers just ate. Poor Butler and Joseph alive, man.
0: Yeah.
1: It was bad. Bad mm-hmm. even from PFF grades just to, you know, just your your bird's eye view to everything else. It just was a rough, rough time. Um, I thought that there were moments of good defensive plays, you know, but then all of a sudden they couldn't set the edge. And what I talked about last week, I was really worried about Dalvin Cook in that running game, having something to prove, and they did it again. And I was like, crap, man. I just – yeah. I knew once he, you know, we talked about it a lot at the party. You know, Cook's bounce looked really nice. Like he was, yeah. he was, he, he stretched a little extra this week. Um, <laughs> so, but again, man, I just would, I wish we could just blow out what I think is a bad team. We defensively, we couldn't do that. We got what I was pleased with with this Titans team was another way to get it done offensively, mm-hmm. where the first two weeks it was mostly. Tannehill in one game and it was a little combo of Tannehill and Henry in another and then this week it was mostly Henry. So it's it shows the versatility in this offense which is it, much needed so far in the first three weeks. Um, getting a back's back is going to be big. Uh, getting AJ back is going to be big too because I think that's just going to make this offense more explosive. But overall I wish that uh, this team could have figured out a way to really put them away but not, I mean, a little hats off to Minnesota. They have they have been put to the ringer in the national media circuit. So, mm-hmm. they're like, hey, this team was supposed to be way better. And I know yeah. that they lost digs and I know all that stuff, but they still like, – they look bad. And, I, you know, overall it was a good game, but here we are. Titans are 3-0. and And I don't know if you saw this stat, but the Titans are 3-0, but 0-3 against the spread. And that's the first time that's happened in 41 years. Wow. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> little, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah,
0: that's uh, yeah, man. That's something to me. The uh, the highlight of the game for me. I know uh, defense was just about as not as bad as it could be, but Dalvin Cook having 181 yards and averaging 8.2 a carry is, is yeah, big red flags. And I think the positives for me, obviously Stephen Goskowski, you know, having a great day. Uh, that's. I mean, I feel bad. I was telling, uh, I think I told you this after after a while at the the watch party watching the game. uh, But Goskowski or I think uh, Chris Horton had Stephen Goskowski or Lutz for uh, the New Orleans. Said, "Who should I start?" And I said, "Well, I think this is going to be a little bit of a high scoring game, but I think the Titans are going to do it pretty handily. Being, you know, I am expecting that." Because I'm not, I, I'm not thinking of many field goal opportunities. I'm just thinking it'll be maybe a few extra points, and that'll that's all you're going to get. The dude puts up 19 points, <laughs> six for six on field goals, yep. one for one on extra points. puts up I think 25 points in the fantasy. So formal apology to Chris Horton. <laughs> <laughs> Dang dude. Uh, but yeah, pretty massive week, and I think too. Obviously, I think the I think the seal of approval with the kicking issue is over with. You know, or it's 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 officially done. You can put that stamp on there. Yeah, one thousand percent. And I, I did some. I know you know this, Chase, but for our listeners, I did some kind of film study and breakdown. I've actually, um, kind of rewatched the broadcast, and then the, even this morning, rewatching kind of the all twenty-two film. And not to try and sound too snooty, uh, I, I, I rewatched every play a couple different times just to make sure I'm seeing what I'm seeing. But, uh, Chase, I got those things. I wanted to go. I, I wanted to kind of give some thoughts for for ourselves and for listeners as well of what really happened beyond just the, you know, the, the, the positive yards or negative yards of the play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a few things here I wanted to just bounce off of you uh, and, and, you know, we can just discuss these things in full. One thing that really stuck out to me, probably my, my number one thing that stuck out to me after rewatching was Tannehill's ability. And this is not every single time in, in, in play action, but for three or four instances in this game, I saw Tannehill um, and in his ability to recognize a, you know, expose the area in the defense and then his ability to get the ball out, but also his ability to lead or delay a wide receiver uh into the center of coverage. So I know, for example, these are a sc- couple of the plays where one Johnny went over the middle kind of wrapped around uh, Jeff Gladney mm-hmm. Um and Tannehill, I mean, led him directly to where I mean, obviously gives him the best opportunity to catch the ball. But, you know, it, it protects him, it allows him to get down. And then the other pass that I, I recognized with this was uh, Khalif Raymond, you know, running a really basic in route. Um, he was kind of going too quick and, and Tannehill kind of sat him down and stopped him right in, right in the middle of that hole. Uh, and made an awesome acrobatic catch. But that's something that, obviously, we know the play action in Tannehill is just about as good as it gets. But it's something, um, yeah, that's one thing. I, that, probably my favorite thing from this week's game.
1: Yeah, because um, I think this week was like 30% of our past plays were off play action, mm-hmm. and Tannehill averaged like, well, I mean, I, I know they had two big plays off the play action, and then, uh, well, really about three. Daniel averaged 20 yards per pass on that, so that's pretty mm-hmm. sweet. I mean, that was, that's a credit to Arthur. I know he did a really good job, like, on the Raven. I think it was the – both first – I guess both of the big, big plays. He he did a good job. He runs those two tight end sets, and he pulls up Harrison Smith on that, you know, old Knoxville Catholic boy. Mm-hmm. And when he does that, he does such a good job on that play action because when you have those two tight ends, you're like, oh, crap, Henry runs again were I know we both kind of harped on some of the really weird calls that Arthur had this week he did a really good job this week of nailing down timing for these play action passes and when he pulled Harrison Smith up on that run it's gonna give it gives it gives your old Cleefy Raymond hop train all oh, the baby. full steam and like he's not a full route tree kind of guy like he's great at what he does and that straight line speed and there's not many people that are going to keep up with him. And Tannehill did a really good job off those passes, and he was dropping dimes on those. He had some misses too, but, um, you know, that's going to happen. Like, he's played great so far. He's only had one pick so far this season. You're going to have some bad games. I just thought timing was a little off, but, yeah, yeah, overall, very solid. That that play-action read stuff, they're doing such a good job with it, especially when Derek looked good all day today, where I feel like, I mean, he was okay in that first half, but then he got way better in the second half.
0: He did. But, he did. And
1: I I feel like that's another key component that's going to come around even more so. Because I know it's been okay-ish the first two games, and today it looked really good. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. Those those play-action passes are just so tough to stop when you have that freight train back there.
0: Well, it, it's something, too, that obviously the the when you recognize the play-action while you're watching the game, and you see a white, you know, a little white jersey running up the sideline like Khalif Raymond did, like like Boy, you said. Yeah. And that's you know, we 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 laugh about it. But Khalif Raymond, you know, being the conductor of the Khalif Raymond hype train, uh, trademark <laughs> pin, trademark pending. <laughs> TM. Um, yeah. So, but but to know that he is what he is, and I know, like for you know, I was tweeting this morning about how Cam Batson had more snaps; he had twenty five more snaps than, than Khalif did in that game, which surprised me. But like we're saying. I'm not expecting, you know, I'm not expecting Khalif Raymond to be more than really a wide receiver four, but a a damn good wide receiver four, that yeah. special teams guy, um, you know, and, and then to go back to Tannehill, like you were saying, that pick, there were some instances, like I was saying, he is deadly accurate where he's leading and delaying guys, but then there's there's plays where he's not way off, but he's off just enough, and we've seen it like in the red zone plays, that was one of those where he got intercepted but even on the opposite end of the field during different tries where, um, I mean, Johnu was running a seam, I believe, on a couple, and there was a window where he could squeeze it between the linebacker and the safety. And, I mean, he was a foot off or two, you know, just out of the reach of the receiver at that time was Johnu. But, yeah, um, I mean, Tannehill's got it where, you know, I think like this game you saw Kirk Cousins was very, you know, cognizant of pressure. Yeah, um, very aware of Simmons and where you know where Clowney was, uh, which I do want to talk about Clowney because apparently everyone thinks I hate John Javion Clowney. Dude, they um,
1: they truly believe you hate that guy.
0: And and that's the thing. It's it's it's. And I retweeted a guy that I was going out with yesterday, and then I, I say going out, we were, we were just going back and forth on Twitter, not necessarily going for throats or anything, but yeah. Um, you know, saying he, he retweeted something about, you know, Clowney's been great or whatever and pressures He's got top 12 pressures, 12 pressures and leads the NFL. I'm saying that's great. You know, my whole thing has been it's and I guess we'll just bunny trail right into the Clowney discussion. He, he has been good. And in this game, you know, the, the the Vikings, obviously, and this is the most obvious statement you can make. Believe it or not, Chase, they ran the ball away from Jadefion Clowney. They sure game. did. They sure and did. And it was – they did it all day. And, and I mean, yes, there were a few triple teams, you know, not many double teams. Daquan Jones was getting double teamed a good bit, you know, and then Simmons was getting left open, which we all knew was going to be the thing for Clowney. But late in that game, we did see him. There was one play man. They ran to the right where he was lined up left. He, he – it was almost as textbook as you could make it to where – you know he crashed right down the line of scrimmage and and ended up wrapping up there's a few guys around him too but wrapping up uh, Dalvin Cook yeah you know, and those are the types of plays and and the, i mean obviously i'm i'm exp- I, I believe those people that are saying you know it's only three, week 3 I, I get that guys but don't act don't come out here on a sunday afternoon after the defense looked terrible and gave up 181 yards uh on the ground and then 175 yards to a rookie receiver and then saying, "Oh, but, but Clowney did enough." I get the secondary is not Clowney's deal, but Dalvin Cook is. You yeah, know what I'm saying that's my thing. And and tell me what you think about it, Chase because I'm I feel my expectations were are are in the right place. I don't think he's going to be a sack artist. I think he should get maybe six, seven, eight sacks at best. But he's here to stop the run. Yeah, and we both think the world of Dalvin Cook, but Clowney's got to make, make more of an impact. That, in my opinion,
1: I thought so too in the first, especially in the first half. Um... Well, we've also talked about a little bit that conditioning I mean that was mm-hmm. that was the week one and two problem uh, I think that's a little bit solved but yeah I know they did a good job of running away from him and kind of setting him up on a few of those little delayed half counter stuff that they do but they really picked on Harold um, and they crashed hard I just thought it was overall that front seven just didn't look great I, dude that his I guess his first touchdown run I know that was a little bit of a backup lineup but just some tough missed tackles and it just, yeah. they, they crashed hard and it, and it wasn't even, there was no contain. I, just a bad look for that front seven overall today. This yeah. wasn't pleased. I know they made some, some pressures at the end and they really got after him. That little Titans version of the death lineup with Beasley and Simmons and Harold and, and Clowney, that really did work at the end. But um, early on, Sure did not, and Dalvin had his day, and I'm with you. Like Clowney, you got to figure it out. Like it's always like one of those things where if you're gonna ask for all this money, like it's all in context because I know he's not probably you know one of your highest paid guys now, of course. Like what you, what you consider, obviously he's not mm-hmm. getting that money. But I'm just saying, even acting like it, but he pretended like he was there for all summer, didn't work out, and it's yeah. It's tough because he's not a sack artist, and that's what people pay for. But also, like what he's being paid for, I'm with you, is not just getting pressures. Like, you got to figure it out. The greats figure stuff like that out. Yeah. They, they, that's that's timing, that's running down stuff, that's just doing little things to get off the ball more and beating those. When you get a double team that's not perfect, you beat those guys. And that's something that this Vikings O line is not great. Like it's okay it's fine but it's not yeah fine. so that's something you have to figure out you have to beat if you're gonna be that guy
0: yeah there were a few you, you talked about Dalvin Cook's first touchdown and I wanted to give reference to a couple different people uh for the Titans in light of questions I kind of got and feedback of I know uh obviously going off on Clowney but also uh my guy Bucket who I've I, love interacting with, been able to hang out with him uh, at a couple of tailgates, but talking about Kevin Byard on that play, uh, Jay Brown on that play. um, Let me say this, because I I know he's not been a front runner of a conversation piece, uh, but Laurel Murchison, from what I saw this game and take it with a grain of salt, because it's not something I'm not saying this is what he's always going to be doing, but the guy in some situations was extremely slow off the ball. Um, but on that specific play, got double teamed. Harold Landry got very, you know, I wouldn't say easily handled, but got handled pretty, you know, pretty good for the sake of of crashing that, you know, Vrabel's, uh, you know, saying now is edge wall and swarm. And Harold just got crashed down. um, And I mean, the edge was gone. Kevin, you know, Kevin Byard came down and even Jayon came down, both over pursuing or taking bad angles and were, you know, it was a foot race, which Calvin, you know, and Delvin definitely won, but um, just those types of things. I mean, it was at all three levels that I saw, even instances where Jayon Brown got looked off on a Jeffrey, uh, Jeff Jefferson uh, out yeah. route, very, you know, and like we, like we mentioned before uh, Butler and Joseph got absolutely worked this game. And I mean, put on skates on, you know, easy routine routes to where just younger guys like Thielen, like Jefferson who have better footwork were able just to get that distance. And I mean, that was, that was, you know, Kirk Cousins day basically from what I saw was wasn't throwing much at Kevin Byard. So, you know, kind of, you know, negated his, his play similar to what they did to Clowney. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's just kind of what I saw as far as that the defensive side, that it was really bad on all three levels. So,
1: yeah, I mean, and it's not like I didn't think Kurt looked wonderful, did he? Like I mean, he looked okay, but it's not he should have. He wasn't. I mean, he had a couple. Of, I'll give him this. Like that, the feeling touchdown was an absolute dime. Like that's a good throw. That was one of the best throws I've ever seen Kirk Cousins make. But how terrible was the Joseph pick? Like he overthrew. Oh. He overthrew his receiver who was wide open because mm-hmm. Joseph was off in four yards. Like everybody's like, well, oh, at least he got a pick, or he almost yeah. took it back, but. Off, which was a terrible call
0: on the uh, crackback. Remember that? I don't know, man. That that was the the call to me was right for the sake of. I know Vrabel even said that after the game was. Um, it, from what I saw, even on the all twenty two look, it was something that um, Jadeveon Clowney – It could have almost gone as helmet to helmet, just at like the angle that it was looking like. But I think the the ref that actually blew it up was was within the distance that, that didn't go that route but yeah it was definitely i mean he was well well out of the way uh Jefferson i believe it was mm-hmm. and then clown you know clowny as as big as he is compared to that guy just it was a little bit harder of a hit but he didn't you know fall down yeah. i did think it was the right call which you know again you expect more from clowny but there were times it was weird with joseph there were times where he was making you know there was that one that uh, the sweep right that that Dalvin Cook ran and Joseph blew his knees out and you know kind of put him on his back uh and didn't yeah, yeah. get a yard. So, but then the interception, I know um even Rashawn's fumble kind of, you know, yeah stopped the momentum there. But it was something to me that the the ins and outs of this defense and the transitions that are happening in a lot of leadership roles with Guys like Jarrell Casey being gone. I know Wesley Woodyard spoken to a lot of Rashawn and, and Brown's stuff, obviously helping them out. And then you know Logan Ryan in the secondary, and Andy P- Dean Pease, not to mention him. So you, I think we're you, still adjusting to how this defense has a lot a lot of space to grow within.
1: Yeah, and you think Butler and Joseph Moby? I mean, not like not to be mean or whatever, but just being honest, I, they might be the two slowest cornerbacks in the
0: league right now, like for a for a duo. It got me thinking about, yeah, I mean, I know Joseph. I I believe Joseph's on a one-year deal, and I can look this up and and confirm that in just a second. But I know Malcolm Butler. Man, I I almost wish we still had a Logan Ryan and we could have, you know, chosen to give up, uh, you know, Malcolm Butler just because of how, how much of a step he looked to have lost on Sunday. It was yeah. a really bad day for Malcolm Butler. And I mean, I say that cause I know guys have great days. Guys have really bad days, but it might make me to the point believing where we might see Malcolm Butler. Not, I don't know if it's traded or cut at the end of the year or even if, if it'll be a free agency, him gone, but I don't foresee him being around for a long time. Me neither.
1: It just doesn't make a lot of sense. He- I just don't feel like he's. I mean, he's he has up a lot of money too. I mean, I'm gonna it's a lot it of money right for here. especially for his value. I mean, I know he, everybody's like, well, you know, he had those two nice knockdowns. Cool, but that's just whenever you get thrown at that many times, and you know, that was a little bit of underthrown ball. It's I don't know. Like it don't don't give me highlights of whenever he had such a tough day because I saw yeah. that a lot. I was like, man, it's not a good look, and it can't. It, Makes me worrisome. I mean, I know it, getting Dory back's can be nice, but that's still going to be two weeks before he gets back to two or three weeks before he gets back into real game shape. And you know, I don't know what the what the injury totality is. You know, who knows if it's going to be fully fully healed. And
0: you're saying for a Dory,
1: yeah, for a Dory. Yeah. So as far as
0: the injury report, I know that they're playing it really close to the chest.
1: Yeah, and I mean, just sitting like or looking at like Buck Rising has mentioned, he's like, yes, he can be cleared to play after three weeks but i wouldn't expect him to be 100 after those three weeks like the ir is just a different monster right now right i know they're doing the only three weeks things but you got to be cautious on these guys especially this year
0: yeah and and to follow up with malcolm butler's you know contract right now there is an out after this season uh where they could you know basically lose i think it's four four million um let's see no, I'm sorry. Obviously, if they were to cut him, <laughs> if they were to cut him this year, you know, at some point, it would be whatever the prorated amount would be after uh, $12 million. So he'll be around this year and maybe, maybe somebody takes that trade if they're making a run for it and need a good old, you know, wily veteran. But to me, I definitely foresee them parting ways with uh with Malcolm Butler I, speaking of injuries though I did want to talk about Lawan. and I swear I'm not I'm not trying to Dr. David Chow this over Twitter and tell everything everybody uh, what happened and you know he, he, here's Lawan's injury um but I'm convinced that he had a stinger and I don't know Chase if you've ever had a stinger but it feels like a thousand lightning rods going down your arm you know from the base of your neck and watched that play a couple different times. And, and I'm watching his his both of his arms. He was kind of holding his right arm. But I, I don't see any reason to believe, you know, a twist made a, I mean, a twist might have hurt a labrum or something like that. I mean, I just think his – I think he got hit. Um, he got hit a couple different times in that play. One where he got kind of helmet to helmet a little bit and his neck kind of tweaked. Yeah. Which I think that's when it happened. And then he hit his head against another guy. But I just think – I think he – assuming they play or you know i'm hoping that they play i think he'll be there but um definitely not something that you and i think he almost got knocked out which is why he was um carted off versus just walking to the locker room yeah just to be just to play it safe
1: yeah like any any sort of head injury they're gonna do that with it now they have to you know yeah especially for a guy like Lawan who's somewhat of a maybe a different avenue of an advocate but you know advocate against get cte so you have to be cautious and any sort of like neck hit or like you said if you had a stinger or even like strain a neck muscle something like that like that's that's all those little things when you get hit in the head you just don't know there's so much in that area shoulders to neck to, to head it's just a lot to consider so i'm with you it doesn't it doesn't seem i mean even from the smallest like you said we're not doctors here we don't know but just from life experience and your own life experience, you kind of understand like, okay, he's able to walk off. Okay. You kind of get a gist of who the one is like, okay, he'll be okay. Um, hopefully it's just something
0: for a week. Maybe they take yeah. caution, which,
1: which could be nice
0: if we had this week off. So yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's the thing too. Um, we've seen him obviously get knocked out before, which was, you know, scary in Miami last year, but when he got up, he, he looked, he looked groggy looked like he was a little a, a frat boy walking after a, a <laughs> too many drinks for a second
1: 100 percent.
0: not to make a lot of you know an injury but it's just something that you could tell he was not he was not stable and you know his stepping but um as we're as we're talking about this 20 minutes ago uh roger saffold tweeted i just want to play in a sad emoji face and lawan responds saying no quesh <laughs> meaning no question um not sure how he's feeling, but I'm, I'm kind of expecting him back sooner than later, not to try and diagnose that. But I did want to give my thoughts there. Um, something else, Chase, that I've noticed in this game uh, and I wanted to talk about just briefly is on special teams that I know the punt returning and kick returning games have never really been you know, more than an average return at times. And to me, I've, I was yeah. watching – the Gunners on punt return, which I believe was Chris Jackson. I know it was Ty Smith. T- on Sunday, they were just getting absolutely roasted. And the times that Raymond did get, you know, get enough time to get off, he did. He did. He did okay. Um, but since our Brett Kern is still the MVP, Goskowski was, you know, that was an incredible career day. True but the, I'm just trying to think through the other aspect of that, you know, return game on special teams we got to figure something out there because obviously if these guys are getting downfield and he has no room to breathe, it's, you know, there's no, no opportunity for, you know, setting yourself, setting your offense up a little bit better than, you know, where you could be. So.
1: Yeah. Cause it's not, there's no, we're on, on the defensive side of the ball. We, it seems like the Titans really flip field more so than just about anybody. Like his kick inside the one yard line this week was beautiful by Brett, you know, but on, for the offense if you just had somebody that was moderate if you had a little bit better play out of that punt return team you know there could be a lot more there could be so much more potential for this offense to do well mm-hmm. if you just had a moderate punt return team right now but it's not that and i know it's yeah. not a lot of opportunity like you just said but yeah it's it's something you wish could just turn around but I don't, I don't know who else on this team will be that guy.
0: That's, that's the part to me where I know I said last week that if Adori, you know, when he comes back healthy, maybe trying him there, but to be honest, I don't, I don't know if you had, what was a Dante Hall from way back in the day, you know, if, if there's no room to breathe and, and no room to, to make moves and it's kind of damned before it is, you know, damned if you do damned, if you don't kind of a thing with, with either one of those guys, in my opinion, because I think they would both be reliable. Um, Let's see here as far as you know, Vikings, any of the thoughts with the Vikings in that you wanted to point out?
1: Um really there's gonna I know this has a long way to go for a continuity on this defense, but I think they're gonna get it figured out. That that front seven's too talented to let that happen again. Um, Big Jeff also, last piece on that, dude. What a freaking day. Yeah. Up being like the best. I think you wound up being the best overall grade.
0: Um, oh, yeah, for, he it's yeah, a nine 92 eight, 7, I think, or something.
1: Yeah, 7 pressures, like, 4 stops. Like, he looked awesome, dude. And he, like, we talked about it so many times, and everybody says it. This guy dominates grown men. Dominates. Like, he's pushing around double teams. Like, they're small children. Like, it's incredible. Like, how strong he is. Those freaking tree trunks he's got for legs. Like, he's such a strong human being. So, it's awesome to have that kind of talent on this team now because Mm -hmm. it's he's such a disruptor. He's not, no, he's not Aaron Donald, but he is that kind of, you know, he, he makes a, makes a huge, huge difference on the interior of that line to a not quite the same measurable level, but still up to that kind of snuff. Like where he's a, he's a force that this Titans team has. And it's so awesome to see.
0: I think he's going to be, um, you know, our Hainsworth uh, for this era right now, and and yeah, I, know, I can see that,
1: but no head stomping. Uh,
0: yeah, and less less <laughs> of that, but it, it, you know, and the, and Gerald Casey. I mean, it's, it's very much a, to, in my opinion, you know, passing of the baton kind of a thing where, um, we all know he was traded to let Simmons kind of have that that role. The thing about Simmons right now, and again, from what I saw watching him, his play is is. His technique's getting really good. And there is, really I mean, you, I think it's been passed around on Twitter, but there was a, a play where he drove Garrett Bradbury about five yards back. Um, but if there's ever a one-on-one matchup, you know, if, if I, w- I would love to see Quentin Nelson and him go at it. We have, we've seen Simmons win that one rep where he put him on his back kind of a thing. But if we had five opportunities to bet, I'd bet all five times probably uh, on Jeff Simmons. Versus just about anybody in the league. Oh yeah, he he's a man child, and I I absolutely love it. But um, yeah, that that to me for it was a I I've, I think we have to be you know in kind of closing out the Vikings talk. I think Titans fans have to learn how to say a win is a win, and it's not always going to be pretty. Obviously, the last three games we've won less than what you know three or five points. Yep. Um, I guess less than three for the last consecutive weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then then week one, we won by two, but.
1: Can't cover Fred.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, to me, it's, I I really can't complain. Obviously, there's issues that you want resolved, but, um, yeah, what does this team look like, though, whenever A.J. Brown is back and Lawan is back and and Adoree Jackson is back because, Let's. I, want, I did want to give props to to Corey Davis, obviously, and ha- having a great year. But you're you can definitely start to really see the continuity between him and Tannehill, and not to mention, you know, somebody mentioned this person as the person who will not be named, but we all know the quarterback that we're talking about. That you know Corey Davis was you know drafted to help out, and now that. Corey Davis has a, a reliable guy that can get him the ball. And I'm telling you, these some of these passes, some of the out routes that Corey Davis was running, um, just about as good and as crisp as you can get. And then Tannehill's putting it right in that window where only Corey has an opportunity to grab the ball. So I guess my last closing thought is that. But I, I, I'm very impressed with Corey Davis. I don't know what his market value will be like after the season, but I honestly wouldn't be shocked to see if we – either started talking to him about a potential extension or pursued that in the off season, But again, yeah, COVID want, season, who knows what's really taking precedence right now.
1: Yeah, and I know I guess whatever you want to call game one as a site with both of them in there this year, but I want to see more. I'd like to see what happens. Does he fade back into that Shire number two role again? Like he he like he, mm-hmm. had, he was last year. But if he gets a chance and he does well, even when AJ's back and both of them can really succeed together and figure it out, that's going to be so awesome. And I think I'm with you. I think there'll be some contract extension talks. If he even keeps up 90% of what he's doing right now, whenever AJ comes back, it's Mm -hmm. it's going to be so worth it to keep him. Uh, He looked really good. Like even at yards after catch, I mean on that little crossing route in the the zone two coverage, like uh, the cover two zone, like he, he did a really good job. Tannehill hits him in the middle and he's catching it with some force and like where he kinda used to catch and then tuck and look. Now he's just catching and running. Now he's not he's not thinking too much. It's really kinda coming yeah. it's coming to him and it makes it it gives you a lot of optimism for him because he's at he's just out there playing a little bit of football and I hate to be like that, you know, just Super cliche, like, well, he's just out there playing football now. He is. Like, that's that's something that he's been his own worst enemy in his own he's head. So, yeah, he put, He looked, good. He
0: looked hey, good. Corey is balling, man. And here, here's my thought too. Um, you mentioned something a second ago. Damn it! It's a, oh, you you mentioned who is the number one guy when AJ comes back. I mean, I would be shocked to see them keep Corey as the number one. Maybe slide AJ in at the two and kind of ease him of into thing. it. Cause it's something to me that don't mess up a good thing, kind of a thing, but also let AJ kind of get back into shape and test mm-hmm. that knee out. And, and I mean, I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking around the league as far as receiver play, obviously the bills are shot or Josh Allen shocking on everybody, which I think we can talk a little bit, you know, around the league here in a little bit, but it's something that Corey Davis is putting himself out there as far as, you know, obviously leading the team. Um, he's not blowing anybody away with his stats, but you can tell he's definitely playing confident. Yeah. Um, And really, I mean, I'm not saying he has to be the Chad Ojo Cinco where he's talking to the cameras and stuff, but you can definitely see he's got some, some confidence back. So that's great for him. Um, Let's see what we can move into next here, Chase, because, well, let's do this. We'll do, um, let's check in around the league. I don't know if you really got the chance to watch other games, but, um, just seeing some scores, and then obviously there's one per- one particular somebody I want to talk about. Um, but w- did you happen to, to, to catch the Chiefs-Ravens last night?
1: I sure did. I sure did. Uh, Give me your
0: thoughts on, on that, because I, I did not have a chance to watch it, but I, I obviously saw the score, and thanks to Tyree Hill, my fantasy team won. So
1: Yeah. Uh, also, big knot. <laughs> I was really worried. I was like, I'm going to be the number two scorer in the league again and lose. And I was going to be so <laughs> really? mad. I thought it was going to happen. I was. I thought it was going to happen in back to back leagues, in back to back weeks. And I was like, I can't handle this anymore. But wound up getting a dub. Thanks, Claude. Appreciate you. <laughs> uh, but last night, I want to say this about the game. Last night was one of the first moments where I'm like, really, like, I mean, you know, you miss the fans. There's little aspects of like the pan outs and. Fun events they'll have, but last night, like Monday Night Football, Chiefs-Ravens, that intro to Monday Night Football, they're not being fans, it was really weird. And I was thinking, dang, this would have been such a fun game. Um, On the first drive, the Ravens were moving it, man. They looked really good on the ground. They were attacking. And I thought that place would be going nuts right now. Because Ingram just hit a run to kind of get in the red zone. It was like a 13-yard run. They're just they're owning them. I was thinking, oh snap, dude, this place would be rocking, and they did like a terrible timing fake crowd noise, uh-huh. and I was like, ah, oh, it sucks. You know, the timing is.
0: I mean, it's distinctively bad when obviously someone scores and then there's the delay or whatnot. But I was thinking about that today because I, I've not really you know noticed it. I know we've been sure. watching games with thirty or forty other people around us and you know kind of socializing as the game goes on. Um, but to me, I've not really noticed it. I've noticed that in other sports for sure, um, college football felt normal. But dude, you know that just that that game last night would have been an atmosphere like just yeah one that you don't ever want to miss. You know, so no. it's it's unfortunate, but that that game I, from what I've seen statistically, um, they had their… yeah. And I think Mahomes' girlfriend, I don't know if you saw this, was tweeting during the game and said, yeah, but y'all continue to put him as the top four quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> so right. she's kind of got, she's kind of talking some smack for him. But um, I did want to talk about other NFL around the league news, man. Russell Wilson. Love Mr. that guy. Mr. Unlimited, man. Like that's, to me, if we're talking about best quarterback in the league right now, I don't know. I mean, let's see, the, the Chiefs have not lost since last year when the Titans beat them on a Josh on yeah. Kluv field goal block. And I think you just have to automatically put, put Pat Mahomes there. Um, but I think I think Russell Wilson right now, the way he's playing, dude, he is right on his heels. And even obviously, like, you know, you, stat, you, know, you can look at the stats, but his ability in the pocket to move field pressure and to not even look phased and to put a ball right where it's supposed to go, it is a thing of beauty.
1: It's wonderful. Now, I will say this about Russ. He has been fantastic. But because of how bad his team is, like that's mm-hmm. the only that's the reason Russ is what he is right now. Because where they used to be almost what felt like 65% run, Russ kind of called him out publicly and was like, why don't you let me do for a full game what you want me to do in the fourth quarter? You Because know? that's yeah. just what they used to do. And they just kind of put philosophies and then now that defense is obviously not what it once was like i mean it's it like if i if i have a wide receiver playing the seattle secondary i'm like playing playing him play him you know because it's yeah. just it's what you want right now and unfortunately that defense causes Russ to go out there and have to make plays and that's a thing of beauty the fact that they've put him like back against the wall two guys shoving him up against that wall and he keeps getting out of it, and beautifully, like you said, his ability to feel pressure, and move, and escape, and not not escape and run for you know 25 yard gains, but move, escape, get out of the pocket, and then find his guy, find Lockett, find find Metcalf, find all these three different tight ends that he's got, um, and just nail them in stride. You know, like that's just what he does, and he's been so good at it. I've watched a lot more of them this year. Like they've just had some fun games and you know, when you have someone on your fantasy team, you watch and shout out to red zone. It's been fantastic sure. to have my first year actually having it. So oh,
0: yeah. yeah, maybe YouTube TV coming in big, it was big time. Uh, I'm assuming that's, yeah, it, it's, it's a game changer for sure. I, um, somebody else I was thinking as you were talking about Russ is like, let me, let me ask you this. Josh Allen has put up four touchdowns the last two weeks, but how good do you think the Bills can be? Like, are, where do they line up in the AFC right now, as far as, you know, the top five teams?
1: Mm, they're in there, right? They have to be, I guess.
0: I, I mean, I think they're in there, but where would you put them?
1: The AFC? Hmm. That's tough. From what I saw last night, like, you know, the Ravens are pretty beatable. Um, they're, they're they're four or five because how do you feel about Josh? Like are you you know, if you're down in the fourth quarter, do you still have that like you're like, I'm one hundred percent gonna win this game if you've got two min two two fifteen, two timeouts left, mm-hmm. plus a two minute warning. Do you are you do you feel no, good I'm, about
0: I'm not like I'm not he's not my first choice, uh, by any means. I think he's yeah, having, you know, yeah, the Bills are, are doing what the Titans wanted to do with Mariota to really surround him. And obviously Devin Singletary is not a huge name. Um, it's kind of a crowded running back room there um, Yeah, for Zach Moss and, and TJ Yeldon. But Stephon Diggs, obviously, you know, John Brown and Cole Beasley have been reliable. But I just think that the defense looking um, – I mean, when, when I think of the Bills, I think of two things. I think of people f- jumping through tables, and I think of people <laughs> yes. that play really, really good defense. And, you know, I, I know right now, like the opponents' average, they're averaging like 25 uh, points a game, which is not great. It's not terrible, but that's one of those things that um, I'm trying to look up some defensive stats here. I just, that's where I think that they are going to be. They're going to win the, the NF, AFC. Uh, east yeah although i think the 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 fins are fun to watch for sure
1: yeah and the patriots are gonna put up a good fight against them like they're going to they're gonna be a good team cam cam and bill both have a lot to play for right now they they're they're on (laughs) prove it they have like the the prove it seasons going Mm -hmm. on right now and they're both doing really well And they're getting creative and belichick loves having that kind of i lack of a better word, that toy in cam, like, cause you can do so much with him and he's so versatile and he's just a freak of nature. Like, he's just such a great athlete and he's, he's looked really good. Um, the Steelers are going to be tough. Like that's going to be, yeah. that defense is going to be a formidable foe this coming weekend or next whenever. So yeah, it's that. Yeah. And somehow the Cleveland Browns are two and one and you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's my thing every week I've got OBJ on my team I'm like do I want to play him or do I want to have another week where he doesn't hit stride and you know um
1: can I I, real quick yeah we'll hit up the AFC South real quick okay where are you at I mean obviously Houston's played three very tough teams they've had the Mm -hmm. hardest schedule so far are they going to be this bad are the Colts Better than we thought? Is Jacksonville actually bad? Like, there's so many weird questions with this AFC ta- AFC South. Like, where do you think it kind of winds up happening? Like, what's the, what do you think your rankings wind up being?
0: I think the Jags are the second best team right now. Okay. I, I think that even though they're one and two, it's still a weird part of the year where it's like, you know, One Week team, a team flashes. I mean, the good thing for the Titans, they've been consistent, they've been Titan games, you know. Yeah, yeah, they've done enough to get the job done. And thank God for Steven Goskowski because without him, we would probably be 0 3. Um, if we had Cody Parkey or Kyros Santos, (laughs) that was still running. Oh my gosh, I don't know about Greg, I'm not going to say Greg Joseph because I know everyone kind of likes him and I do too. But I think, uh, I think the Dolphins who the Jags played last week are a lot better than people think. I think the Colts. Kind of sneaking away. Uh, I believe that's who they played. Uh, week Week One, they won by seven. Yeah, um, Colts did not look great. Obviously, the Titans. That was very a, a competitive game. Um, so I think the Colts are definitely the third best team, uh, and then Texans are. Like you said, I mean, tough schedule. But I mean, when you trade away Nuke, like we could talk about that for a week as far as the the issues with the the Texans, but. Give me your, your rankings and kind of how you who, who's really in the lead for the AFC South.
1: Uh, I do think it's this Titans team, uh, just based off consistency and what they also have on the way. Um, the Titans are only to get better. <sighs> Poor Houston. Like they've played probably three of the top, they've played three of the top five, top six AFC teams. Um, and Hadn't looked great, but you know it is what it is when you play Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers. Um, mm-hmm. I worry that that team could wind up turning around. Jacksonville looked bad. That that Miami team. I know you're going to get that Fitz game. I know Fitz magic happens. I know it happened, yeah. and you're just going to have that game. And I think that's what happened there. But I really think that bottom three. I think the Titans are pretty pretty clear number one. But Colts, like I don't trust Phillip Rivers. Like I don't think he's I don't think he's that guy. He looked terrible week one. Um I think it kinda winds up being Titans, Colts, Texans, and I think the Jags actually fall fall down. They get little, get figured out as the season goes on. I just think we, like losing Shark and all that stuff, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough go. I just don't
0: I just don't think they hold up. Okay, I wanna I wanna transition here into Steelers. I know we're getting close on our time, but I want to transition because Mike Garofalo of NFL Network just tweeted in response to Tom Pellicero, Which let me read his his tweet. This was 14 minutes ago at the time of our recording. As of right now, the Titans, Steelers, and Texans Vikings games are both on for Sunday. However, the NFL is evaluating the situation and will adjust if needed as information is gathered. Teams are still working through the contact tracing data, which we love to say that word, that phrase, I should say. Love it. Uh, He says a lot of, lot of moving parts and Garofalo. um, I used to say Garofalo. So my apologies to his Italian, beautiful Italian family. Uh, But the Titans coaches have told players that if, uh, if they have to go without any work until Saturday, have a walkthrough and then play the Steelers, then that's what they'll have to do. Period. No excuses, baby. Like, Where's Terry Tate? Let's run through a damn brick wall yes. right now, baby. But That's That is Ravel. And, I mean, here's the thing. We don't know who, who the players are that are out. We don't know what we're really looking like as far as a, um, you know, a lineup and who's, you know, if we're talking about, you know, Humphreys and Corey Davis and that receiver room getting hit, ugh, it's going to get ugly, you know? Yeah. So... We'll take it where we get it, but obviously we're reacting like everybody else is. But Chase, if the guys are playing on Sunday, like we just said, not sure who's who's out. How are you feeling about this game?
1: Terrible. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely terrible. This, because man, that's another team, dude. If the Steelers are another one, if, I would not be surprised if you're hearing Steelers versus whoever in the AFC championship game. Yep. They, they're wider. Res- I don't understand how they keep doing it and drafting these great freaking wide receivers, but Chase Claypool is on his way to becoming a superstar. And Juju is a, you know, yeah. he's, he's really good. He's never going to be like one of your elites, but he's really good. He's a great one B or a two guy. And that's fine. Like he's, he's never going to blow you out of the water, but he is, Really, really good right now. And they keep finding these tight ends. They got Ebron. And uh can't think of the other guy. But they're going to be really good offensively. And we also know. and Yeah, Van McDonald. And then defensively, man, they keep coming at you, dude. With Mm -hmm. that front seven's nasty. Nasty. And they're bringing everybody back for the – they're bringing everybody back in the secondary for like the first time in like seven years. First back-to-back secondary full-time they've had. It's crazy. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they're Whoa. they're really something, dude. And I'm I would not be confident if you went a full week without practice against that team and expect yeah. what happened to our secondary this week. Where do you For where sure. are you feel?
0: Well, I mean, if we've got to play, that's that's ugh, I'm it makes me very very nervous. Obviously, I think this is not this, the Duck Hodges team of last year with with Roethlisberger. Obviously, a lot of those guys kind of went underneath the uh Conversation for a while, um, just for the sake of, they were just bad because Ben was out and, um, nobody else got to really make moves. Obviously, this this reminds me of those early two, you know, t- 2010. Uh, I believe that they, you know, they beat the Packers, I think it was in, in the Super Bowl, one of those mm-hmm. times with Big Ben. Reminds me of that team and it reminds me of those teams that were as historically as the Steelers are, just damn good on defense, good receivers. And they throw the ball really well. And then they always have that solid running game to balance it out. So, uh, if we're talking offense uh, for the Titans, the biggest question marks for me, obviously, Lawan being out. If if Sambrillo, which he did okay, in my opinion, had a couple, you know, he, I think he won a couple lefts when he was supposed to go right and things like that on some blocking but my thing is if Samberlo's in there that's a concern even you know Kelly's done pretty well even against guys like Yannick and Gakwe, but Bud Dupree on one side and then uh, TJ watt on the other that's that's a that's a problem to me um, yeah I think that you could you know as a John owner uh, as a fantasy you know guy um I might not start him this week because I think he and guys like Adam Humphreys could be helping chip on the edges. They're going to try and probably get the ball out quickly. Um, so, to me, and on top of that, no practice, like, that's a big concern, man. That's a big concern. So, I, I, right now, I'm not feeling great. And, again, we'll know more. And I'm going to do my Saturday. Uh, since Chase will be up in Miami, I'm got to stay over here and still do, uh, do podcasts and stuff on the weekend. Um, but I'll do my preview on Saturday, but. Yeah, that'll yeah. be
1: nice. Yeah, that'll be nice to have. So you can you can do all that. I'll be uh, I'll
0: be <laughs> down in Miami
1: just sipping on cocktails for you. You can you can
0: you can do all the work up here. You'll be fine. Yeah. Um, no, but it, that, that's something too. I mean, it, it, I think it's time for the Titans to have a legitimate test, like a good team that we know is going to come in and you know. I, I've never liked the stories. Obviously, it's fun to go undefeated and be three and zero. But at some point, it becomes a thing of, well, how long can you really do this? And you carry the weight of that pressure. I'm not saying let's go out and take an L, but a, a test against a really good team uh, to tell us where we're at, I think that's, if we're playing, that's definitely what we've got coming. So um, I won't say any type of score prediction or real, you know, maybe maybe Saturday I will, but I, I don't know about you, Chase, if you want to give one, but I'm just like, nah, let's get some more context for the game. first.
1: Yeah, let's see if, let's see if we actually play it.
0: So yeah. But I'm hoping, you know, worst case scenario, if, you know, I say worst case, I don't really know if it's the legitimate worst case, but um, if they have to reschedule and delay it, that's probably my preferred choice. If I'm being honest, it's cool to have that rally moment where your coach is saying, get your ass ready and let's go. But what really helps the team, you know, a week off, like we were saying, could be good. But, but Chase, we've hit our hour mark. Let's go ahead and put a bow on it. I'm going to miss you this weekend, dude. I really am. Yeah, do. man. I know. It'll be,
1: it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be I know, man. I,
0: I, I cannot wait. I'm a little scared. I'm
1: definitely coming back with COVID. Uh, I mean, I, there's, I could almost guarantee it. I hate to say that because Florida is open back up. Miami is going to be full tilt. It's going to be beautiful down there. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to try my best. I'm going to do all my protocols I can, but probably ain't good. But I'm pumped because it's going to be an amazing weekend. It's like, ah, for the memories, the fun, the tan, be worth it. <laughs> okay, but just won't see you guys for two weeks after that.
0: So, yeah, but uh, but uh let's do it, man. I appreciate you guys listening. I'm Trey Wynn. You can find me on Twitter at T-R-E-S-W-I-N-N. You can find a link to my profile on Twitter in the description below, as well as Chase, but Chase... You can find me at
1: MCGreen423 on Twitter,
0: baby. And for all those that are in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area, chat sportscom slash events, we've got Balls and Titans this weekend and Thursday. We're waiting on an official announcement as far as game time, uh, but most likely hoping and might even just do it for the sake of getting some folks out is doing a little break Atlanta Braves watch party for game two of their three game series against the Cincinnati Reds. Um, also, what else? Chase got some SEC pickums that old Mike Pipes working on, so keep an eye out for that. But yep, yep. Have
1: that out there to uh, tomorrow, yeah.
0: Yes, sir. Well, all right, Chase. Good to hear from you. As Pleasure's always, always buddy. Y'all have a great week and uh, go tight.
1: Tighten up, baby.